Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 37 for Monday, April 29th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is the birthday boy, Joel Duggan. Hey, Joel. Hello, sir. There are a lot of nines in our date today, and I have lost a nine <laughs> off, <laughs> off of my of my age. Uh, I don't know whether I should reveal how old I am. Some people might know. I think some of the people in my Discord know, but uh, well, whatever. Screw it. I turned 40 today. There we go. Many happy returns, and I hope you've had a <laughs> good you, one. Th thank you for spending Appreciate your it. birthday podcasting with us. Because uh, uh... <laughs> hey, you know what? I like podcasting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on doing it. And and for those of you that are that are tuned in and realize, hey, wait a minute, there's there's a separate chuckle happening in the background. Uh, this is going to be my opportunity to introduce and welcome Python to the Spun Chunks. You can find him at YouTube.com/slash/PythonMC for Minecraft content that includes Python's World. Hermitcraft and occasional modded series, as well as Python GB on YouTube for Terraria, Ark, and other survival games. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. This is uh, this is exciting. I, I love the roundtables. I think they've become one of the f more fun uh, uh, episodes during the month that we get to do. And uh, I think a lot of it just is, well, I mean, I get to talk to Johnny all the time. So I'm boring to Joel now. I'm yeah, boring. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to get, uh, actually, no, what I'm really concerned about is, is our audience being like, oh God, Johnny and Joel, just same old every, <laughs> every week. Yes. We seem to be repeating ourselves. So it, it always brings a fresh perspective and it's always nice to have someone, someone new on the show. So thanks for taking the time. Right? It's, it's great to have you. Oh, no problems. No problems. Speaking of fresh perspectives, we should kick off with our quick login. Uh, a, bit, a brief blurb about what's new in your Minecraft life. So, Python, uh, what have you been up to this week in Minecraft? It, it, we don't we don't necessarily need you to spoil YouTube content if there's some some you know exciting stuff planned, but uh, give us a sneak peek about what's new in Python's life. Well, for the most part, I've just been working on my uh, single player Python's World Let's Play, and well. I'd be trying to fix an old iron farm because the old designs in 1.13 and prior are broken now. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> how is, it's how been is that... fun trying to work that out from scratch. I was going to say, how's that working out for you? Because uh, the mechanics seem to be out there. People seem to know how to fix iron farms, but is it converting it from the existing design or are you just completely rebuilding it? Are you tear tearing down the old one and putting up a new one? So I adapted it. So it's kind of like the four pod design. So you've got four pods, one on each side. Uh, so I've just basically expanded the pods, put beds in them, put like a workstation in them. And it's sort of half worked. Mm -hmm. It's inconsistent, but I do still get a small iron supply. So, eh, you know, I think there's still a lot to be learned. As long as there is a small supply, I think that's enough to tide you over for now. I guess you, yeah, you, for a single player world, yeah. exactly. For <laughs> for a single player world, like a lot of people are very concerned for my survival guide series, which has a relatively small iron farm as well. They're like, "What are you going to do if there's going to be no iron for a while?" It's like, I don't use enough iron, like in the average yeah. week, to really make a dent in the amount of iron blocks I have already. So. I think for servers, obviously, it's going to be a bigger consideration and probably something they want to do day one. But in terms yeah. of the average player, I don't think it's going to be that much of a concern. Yeah, yeah. for That's me, it's, it was the same idea. Like, I, I've been prepping for one fourteen all week. Like, that's essentially what I was doing. Because I was thinking before the show, like, I don't have a lot to share when I was, you know, for my login. What have I been doing? And truly, it's been a combination of being online, being AFK, because our iron farm in the spawn chunks uh, currently on 113 still works. So I now have a shulker box full of iron blocks. So that's good, you know, and, and because I don't use a lot of them, that will do me for a while. Uh, and I also, 
uh, we have a large villager trading hall on the Citadel. And so I've been online trading um, pumpkins, melons, potatoes, and carrots like a mad fool. <laughs> I, I don't have a shulker box full of emeralds, but I, I have enough that I feel like I should be at least okay uh, should I need anything in, in 114. What I did do is uh, take advantage of some of my very low trades with villagers. So I've got half a shulker box of mending books, you know, and I think the the rest of it is is divided between Unbreaking 3 and Silk Touch. And it's just like, I already have a half a dozen pickaxes. We're not resetting the server. So really, I'm just kind of like having um, death prep. Like if I die and lose stuff, I have enough now that I can do that a few times and it's it's going to be a setback of maybe 20 minutes. You sure, know? You, don't, you don't need yeah. to rely on those villagers being around and having the books just so that you can get your gear yeah. back in order kind yeah. of thing but that's really all i've been up to i don't have anything really exciting to to report uh, johnny i know you um completely upgrade, updated the survival guide to 114 like how have you been spending your week i did i was in there day one uh with and in fact it happened during one of my live streams so we actually stopped chopping tuesday halfway through i was just mining some stone ready for the update to arrive and we we left and i yeah, managed to managed to get the world updated to 1.14. I'm now checking off all of the new content boxes, basically, for the survival guide. So I've nice. been out to a bamboo forest. Uh, I, I actually removed a few regions from my world files and generated new terrain in its place. And I got a whole bunch of bamboo forests in one of the jungles that I found before. So I'm very happy about that. Found a panda enjoyed the panda uh i i went i went out to a, i went out to a desert and found my first pillager outpost did my first raid it did not go well you can see that wow. you can see that in today's episode of the survival guide but yeah i raided basically a completely unprepared village it was just the nearest village to this outpost i went yeah sure i'll see what a raid is i had locked the difficulty of my world on hard and i did not realize <laughs> that the raids scale with difficulty so you get more waves depending on like you know how how high the difficulty is so on easy i would have got three waves i was expecting three waves but i'm on hard so i got seven and that was <laughs> that was difficult i lost because my village was just completely overrun with guys and all of the villagers got killed and so oh. yeah i i mean it wasn't a village that really meant anything to me but i'm basically now going to go back to that village start a villager breeder there breed up the population so they're ready for another raid to happen there and then absolutely ace the raid next time like i'm going to go through this whole kind of checklist of preparations i'm mm -hmm. going to build a moat around it it's going to be awesome but yeah i'm i'm, I'm basically going to avenge all of the deaths that happened in that episode but it was it was fun it was good to uh to experience that having heard about it for a while because i'd never actually gone into a a snapshot world or a creative world and tried triggering a raid so now i know what that is i can be better prepared for it also been taking a look at crossbows a look at scaffolding uh the new villager workstations are very cool so yeah i've, I've been getting my hands dirty with 1.14 Nice. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to skip ahead too far because Python. I know that you play Python's world in a snapshot, so you've been playing with new content for a while. But yeah, Johnny, because of the survival guide, because of the nature of the survival guide, are you you don't play on snapshots because you want when you do the guides, you want to make sure that it's official release content, right? Like that's yeah, not, I, I, that's I why you don't want to make sure the features are all finalized even as far as the, right. te the texture update that happened i didn't want to switch over until i knew okay this is going to be the default for everyone now right yeah 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 i um for me when it was switching over like i i i, I still like the textures but i was just like 
it's it was less it was less of an impact like there's a lot of people going whoa this is so different and i'm just like why am i not oh right i've been playing with the beta textures for a year mm-hmm. like yeah. so a lot of it is very very familiar for me um but um but yeah i it's it's one of those things that it's just so uh subjective that like it just it's so divided when you go to to research what people are are saying about it online but i guess we can roll right into the news i mean i mean news flash uh <laughs> 114 <laughs> came out for java and 1.11 came out for bedrock uh bedrock is still missing some features like campfires and foxes there's no need i think to do a rundown of all the features for 114 for java we've been talking about those blow by blow uh, in our snapshot coverage here on the show and on minecraft.net we'll have the link in the show notes they list everything they list all the feature complete you know things that they've added they even elaborate on some things like they might just mention campfires have been added but then later on in the in the notes on minecraft.net they'll explain you know a little bit more about what the campfire give you some hints as to how you can use it that kind of stuff um for me i i did play a little bit in 114 to check it out you know mostly research for myself and for the show and uh, the biggest, I, I think, um, news from it right now that people are, are sharing is that the chunk loading is incredibly poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I know, I know, Johnny, you, you had a, a balanced opinion that you wanted to put out there. But uh, Python, when you, you know, experiencing play in the snapshots... Uh, and then going over to the full release because I, we di- I didn't play in the snapshots. Johnny didn't, uh, at least not very much. Uh, I would dabble to get screenshots for the for the podcast, yeah. but like I really, you know, um, going from snapshots to the full release. Uh, what were your impressions of of the the issues that people were experiencing? So I played way up to I think it was the last pre-release, pre-release five, and in all honesty, I would almost argue that pre-release five was actually more optimized than the full release, especially with the chunk loading. I noticed a considerable decrease in the uh, loading speed of uh, chunks, so that was a little bit disappointing to see. I won't lie. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know what kind of introduced this problem between pre-release five and the full release. <laughs> I don't I don't know what tweak happened behind the scenes that has caused this issue, and it seems like it seems baffling that it's actually made it to the full release at all. Because if you're if you're playing this for more than like J- Joel saying like just flying around in creative is it's noticeable stuff like i i I haven't noticed it as much if i stick to walking speed around my world but traveling any faster than walk or sprint pace on foot as a player the issue pops up It, it has been reported on the mojang bug tracker so they're definitely aware of the problem and they've confirmed albeit informally that they want to have a hot fix out for it soon um i'm pretty sure a few prominent youtubers like docm77 i think tweeted about it and then uh, one of the Mojang community managers replied to him saying, hopefully we can get this fixed for you soon. But why was it not fixed before it got released? That's the weird thing to me. I don't know how they yeah. can have not noticed that this was a problem before they pushed it out for a full release. Yeah, and and the even the way that they mentioned their pre-release, their, their PR uh, speech was just like, if all goes well, this will be out on Tuesday. 
Yeah, they're, they're giving themselves no, an out, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> no, nowhere did they say, this is done, it's Tuesday, we cannot wait, 100%, you, you guys are going to love this. It was like, yeah, things are going pretty well, and with if, if, if all lines up, Tuesday's the day. They could have easily said, hey, remember when we said all things didn't line up? Well, we ran into a bug, it's we're feature complete, but there's just, there's a, a, a gameplay issue right now, or, or a programming issue that is just not going to be enjoyable for people, and we would like to fix it before we release to, to the public. I think the community would be okay with that. I mm -hmm. don't think anybody yeah, would sure. would would slam them for being honest and saying, "Look, it's not it's almost ready, but there's some issues and we just we want you to have the best experience possible." Now, you also don't want to go down the other sliding slope of 113, which is like, "Hey, it's coming soon." And soon ends up being, you know, 3 to 4 months, which, yeah, you know, absolutely. and at, at which point they didn't communicate how close or not close they were to finishing it. It was just like they felt like you, they were shifting gears, they were separating out updates, you know, and, and trying to get different things done at different times. And and so it felt a little bit um, long in the tooth, or a lot long in the tooth, really. Uh, yeah. So so with this, like when I loaded it up, because I, I decided to stream later on, on on Tuesday when it came out, and I just loaded up a fresh seed, and I was flying around in creative, uh, sometimes walking as well, because uh, Johnny, you had given me a heads up about the chunk loading. Mm -hmm. And so I was walking around. The problem that I found with the chunk loading, even walking on foot, is like I happen to be in a very mountainous region as far as the um, terrain generation was concerned. Yeah. And so if you're on a flat world walking around or not a super flat but like a relatively flat plains area you don't really notice it as much because your render distance and stuff it's going to put these missing chunks kind of on the edge of your view so you will notice yeah. it but it's not game breaking but when you've got mountains and you're looking at this thing going what is that and it's like a hollow mountain where you can see the inside but not the top and it's and be because it's so high up you can see clearly that the chunks are missing uh, I was also messing around with textures because uh, I wanted to see if they've changed anything. I couldn't notice anything flipping back and forth between the beta textures and the full release textures. If they changed stuff, it was very, very subtle. For the surface blocks that I was looking at, I wasn't looking at an entire library of, of Minecraft blocks. I was just looking at like the, the surrounding you know blocks in, my, in the biome. Uh, yeah. But when you did that, of course, it reloads everything. Well, now I had chunks that were not loading that were like under my feet, you mm -hmm. know, or, or just like you walk up to it is like, is this a ravine? I can't tell. And then you're like, I'm just going to whatever. I mean, this is just a snapshot world. I'm in creative. And you'd walk off the edge and you hear slosh and you're like, slosh. What? Oh, I'm in a river. And you just you can't see it. Like you <laughs> just you just could river. not see it. Now, and that could have easily been an invisible ravine, uh, flying around with elytra. You could easily slam into a mountain that yeah, you that, just can't see. That's the comic, like uh, the the comedy sketch version is like Looney Tunes running into a tunnel that's painted on the side. It's like it's basically it's <laughs> yeah. basically it's basically that. It's like you, you you fly into a mountain that you didn't know was there. A mountain hits yeah. you hits you square in the face that you just couldn't see beforehand, and yeah. it's it's tragic. Um, and and uh, I my balance viewpoint here is that on foot uh, especially if you're starting a new world right now if you're starting a, a brand new server or you're resetting your single player world or whatever you're not going to notice it as much because you can't move around as fast primarily like you, right i think the people who are going to be hit hardest by this are going to be people with established servers people with established worlds folks who've already got minecart rails everywhere or want to ride horses or use boats or travel by elytra they're the people who are going to notice this dodgy chunk rendering issue i yeah. think 
anybody who is starting from scratch and is just punching trees and going underground really isn't going to be affected by this as much. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the perspective they're looking at from a, a dev perspective when they're loading up the game to make sure it's okay. They walk around for a couple of minutes and go, okay, this looks fine to me. It's fine for the, the new player experience. They're not going to notice it as much. But then when you load up a world that's been going for six months and everyone's flying everywhere, especially then that's when you really start to notice the holes in the world. So mm. I wonder if that's where the oversight has been. I don't want to speculate too much about the devs' process and everything, but no, I, I do I do wonder if that's the case. But then, even then, you're seeing that when you fly around in creative mode with, like, a fairly, like... In creative, you don't move... You don't fly all that much faster than you can sprint as a player. So right. it's, it's yeah. weird to me that, that that hasn't been... That's kind of been passed over for the release. Yeah. And I think what it is, too, is because in creative mode, when you hover up like that, you can see farther. Like, you yeah. can see the end of the render distance a lot easier because your your eye line is higher than the trees, stuff like that. I, I, I've i not been seeing a lot of, um, like, super aggressive responses. Most of it has been eye roll, like, ugh, Mo Yang does it again. And, <laughs> and, I've not, and, I, and I've not been playing long enough. So, I mean, Python, I mean, you've been playing the game a long time. Johnny, I know you have, too. But... But have you seen any releases like this, Python, where there's been big bugs in full official releases? I mean, obviously, there's there's always issues in snapshots, but that's the purpose of snapshots is to iron this yeah. stuff out. But do you recall any, any releases over the last few years that have been this kind of, um, I guess, oversight? Um, racking through my brain trying to think of potentially one. Maybe not. I can't think of any that have had chunk loading issues probably as bad as 1.14 i mean some of the updates may have had sort of slowish but nowhere near to the point that 1.14 has right but i mean anything outside of chunk loads like i mean other bugs other other issues other things that you felt could have been fixed before it actually hit public release hmm. i think again i can't really think of anything off the top of my head yeah. If you remember and, and, um, 1.13 having memory leaks thanks to fish pathfinding and the amount right. of... Oh, yes, the amount that of, was like, a big problem for the Hermitcraft server, that was. The slowdown that was happening because of the amount of sea life that generated now um, and that kind of thing. Like, e even thinking back to the point, the, the, the full release of 1.13 point nothing, um, I think there were, there were issues like that that maybe they weren't catching the attention of the average player because they were less visible than there is a giant hole in my world. So yes. I kind of wonder if bugs that were as important but maybe less visible to the player have been in previous releases. And th this one, yeah. you know, makes a big impact because it is something that everybody can see if they fly particularly fast or whatever. But yeah. I, I, I think maybe in terms of the scale of bugs, there have been others in the past that just, for whatever reason, didn't stick in the mind. And I ask this on purpose because I remember the the lag and some of the things that happened specifically for our server in 1.13, but then 1.13.1 and .2 quickly resolved all of it. Like we even had issues in our small little tree farm with uh, leaf blocks constantly looking for how close they were to a log block. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it was causing some update problems. But then eventually with 1.13.2, that went away. Uh, my point being that I can't recall anything, and I've been playing for a few versions, and people that have been playing for longer... Well, they can be reminded of, they usually don't recall anything off the top of their heads, probably because Mo Yang is pretty fast at fixing them. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I agree that it probably shouldn't have hit the ground running, but it also means that there's a fix coming soon. Yeah. Uh, so if people can be patient and and just try and report bugs using the, there, there isn't, uh, the, the devs really were quick to point out that there's a new 
bug report system in the game. So if you're running 1.14 and you see issues, you can use in-game tools to say like, this is something wrong. So, you know, and it sends all kinds of data, you know, to, to Mojang, if you're comfortable with sending that data, of course. Um, but yeah, so I just, you know, it's going, it's going to get fixed. It's hopefully going to get fixed as quick as they can. And then in it fact, will be, it'll be a bullet note, right? Uh, as you say that, I'm actually looking at the uh, bug tracker right now. And as of the time of recording, according to the bug tracker, the chunk rendering is extremely slow and random in 1.14. It has been classed as fixed for a future version. So hey, there we go. Must I, be on the way. I literally checked that half an hour ago and it hadn't changed. So that is happening live <laughs> as we're recording this. Fantastic. <laughs> Live <Nice>. commentaries. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's see, and and, that, and that's what I mean. Is like you know, you think about like I think I asked a question last week about like you know what was it about one thirteen that we either didn't like or could have improved or something like that. And both Johnny and I had to kind of like pause for a minute. It's like well, I don't really remember what I'm missing. And it's just there's it's one of those things about Minecraft is that there's just so much to it. Um, I think the the one thing that I want to point out is that people that love the game can be very forgiving. People that have been playing the game for a long time and are used to um, slip ups from Moyen can also be just like, you know, can also have that kind of roller eye mentality of like, well, you know, I wasn't expecting any better, which is unfortunate. But it, if if it also means that you're just used to it, and it's less of a shock to the system. But I recently have uh, you know, I have encountered a couple of people that want to get into Minecraft. And I can only imagine the experience, you know, to drop money on a game, um, load it up. 114 be all excited because all your friends are buzzing about it and you can't wait to play with them and then you load up and this is the experience that you have that's the kind of thing that you have to be careful of when you've got a game that's 10 years old like minecraft and you have a huge following online you can't grow and maintain that if you're not bringing in new people at a constant rate and when you do stuff like this that is going to really turn people off i think yeah, and i i would happen. hate i would hate to be really excited to get a friend into minecraft and have this be their you know their first experience and then on top of trying to explain minecraft in the hopes that they get it i also have to explain that yeah well even though it's a very popular video game and they've got lots of money and they're owned by microsoft they still do stuff like this and that's that's a hard sell yeah so uh i'm hoping in the future i would be much happier with incremental updates point ones and point twos and point threes that give us new blocks and new features and stuff like that with that don't require big overhauls and i would be happy to wait longer for things like the village and pillage you know update um to to be you know really really ironed out let's let's also consider that a lot of new players who are coming into the game are going to be playing the bedrock edition because they're playing on mobile they're playing on consoles that kind of thing like we, we're very java focused here on this show yes. typically so yeah. bedrock doesn't have this problem of course it must have its own problems and i think i've heard a few of them you know rolling around the bedrock community here and there there are a few kind of weird issues with some of the new stuff but I think, yeah, from a from a Java perspective, like I said, people aren't necessarily going to notice this if they're starting a brand new world. Maybe if they're joining a server and the server performance isn't all that great because this is a fresh update, stuff like that might might come through a little bit. But rather than dwelling on the negatives, I also wanted to talk for at least, you know, maybe a couple of minutes about what we like about this update. I know, Joel, you said you haven't really had much time to play and you've kind of been... been you know, put off by the chunk loading issues when you're flying around in creative, but maybe Python, you can have some input on this. What do you really like about 1.14 so far? What has been the kind of standout features to you? And you've probably had some more time to get accustomed to them being in the snapshots for a while, but what are, what are the highlights for you? For, well, as, 
as someone who uh, builds quite a lot and as someone who explores quite a lot, I feel like 1.14 just in general is a really nicely rounded update. But for me, it's got to be the new building options, the new slabs, the new stairs, the new workstations. Like, I especially love the stone cutter because you get like an equal yield, for example, of uh, cobblestone stairs from a stack of cobblestone, for example. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just little quality of life changes that I just really, really appreciate. And just all of the building stuff it's just amazing honestly i think there's been a little bit more attention to that quality of life stuff in this update than there has been in previous updates for me i think yeah. there's there's a little bit more attention paid to stuff like community suggestions there was a, a, a pretty extensive list in the changelog of stuff that's been added that was suggested by the community like for example uh leaves having a chance to drop sticks when they decay and chorus fruit being able to be shot down by arrows now the chorus flowers being able to be shot down off the plants so you don't have to pillar up to mine them that kind of stuff and so yeah those little quality of life updates are are really coming through uh i really love the the workstations and stuff as well i've had a lot of fun uh decorating my castle with all these barrels and stuff like that uh i've been decorating my swamp town which has a more japanese and chinese inspired architecture style with bamboo and bamboo growing up out of the swamp this bright green against the kind of muddy brown of the swamp is really really nice i also really like how tough raids are despite my bad experience oh. of the first one it really does feel like a challenge especially when you don't prepare the village beforehand i imagine there are people who are going to make raids laughably easy in the fullness of time <laughs> just by putting down traps and like making sure the villagers are underground so they can't actually be killed that kind of thing but i rather think that raids as a challenge are like a boss fight they've got the boss bar at the top of the screen and it's like wave after wave of stuff coming at you it can feel a little bit overwhelming and i haven't felt that overwhelmed by a, a fighting experience in Minecraft, a combat experience for quite some time. So I think that's that's a big positive in terms of like increasing the toughness of player experience. Yeah, for sure. The uh, the raids. <laughs> I remember when they first came out. Oh my gosh, they were they were pretty nuts. Like they were refined really, really well. And uh, yeah, I love the fact that it scales with difficulty. Like I think you were saying earlier, like on easy difficulty, you get three waves. On hard, it's like seven. <laughs> yeah, and you get you get <laughs> bonus get bonus waves that scale up with the bad omen level you have as yes. well. So you can get additional waves that potentially have more tough enemies in, but potentially have better loot as a result. I think it's good as far as a risk-reward thing goes. Even though I failed that raid, I killed so many evokers that I have about five extra totems of undying that I didn't have before, and, <laughs> and, and a handful of extra emeralds and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun to, you know, figure out the ins and outs of that kind of stuff, figure out what the best way is to prepare yourself and, and come away with, uh, with, with a bit more experience at the end of the day. But it's fun we should move on to chunk mail though because we've spent a little while on the news now and we want to get to some of this stuff we have a question here that i think is going to be really good for python specifically so uh joel do you want to read this one absolutely this is coming in from beck phillips howdy i heard you mention the game terraria before and i was wondering what things do you think minecraft does better than terraria and what does terraria do better than minecraft what would you want to be added to Minecraft from Terraria? Thank you for your time, Beck. Uh, I am going to defer to you gentlemen, and we'll start with Python, because I've never played Terraria, and I've barely even seen screenshots. So I'm, I'm only tangentially familiar with what, you, what it is. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, so starting off with what I would want to be added 
to Minecraft from Terraria. I mean, the magic mirror. For those of you guys unaware, the magic mirror in Terraria, it's like a, well, it's a mirror. And when you gaze into it, it basically teleports you home. So the ability to just teleport back home. I mean, yeah, you could use the end in Minecraft maybe, uh, but just something to just, just, you know, get yourself home real quick, you know? Um, but in terms of what Minecraft does better than Terraria, uh, I mean, I'd probably say the building for the simple fact that it's 3D. Like, you can make some really satisfying looking builds on Minecraft because it's 3D. Like, you, you can just walk around the entire base, see how it's going as you go along. I mean, yeah, Terraria, it's got the whole, you know, the, the foreground blocks and background wall system. That's really quite cool. But uh, it's, it's, it's not 3D, is it? You can't just, like, walk around 360 the house, for example, and just, you know, see your progress as you go along. It's definitely easier to look at a Minecraft build that's totally, like, monolithic and be more impressed by it than an impressive yes. build in Terraria. Not least because in Minecraft you can step back far enough that you can see the entire thing. Whereas <laughs> I th my problem with Terraria is always that, like, the player scale, even if you zoom out a little bit, it doesn't quite show you the full extent of the screen as where you can, where you can build. Um... Personally, I've always preferred building in Minecraft because Terraria has hostile stuff that attacks you during the day and you can't skip the night where more monsters come out. Uh, whereas Minecraft has creative mode, it has a peaceful difficulty setting. It allows for people who don't want that aggressive experience without, you know, mods or anything like that and, and just want to do some building. Whereas with Terraria, you have to get quite far along in the game before you can have little like summoned minions that go around and kill the slimes for you so you don't have to attack yeah. them and there's always like events that happen like raids and slime falling from the sky and stuff like that that will uh will kind of set you back when you just want to get your head down and build something cool so i i prefer minecraft for that for the fact that i can skip the night and not have to uh worry too much about hostile stuff as far as what i would add from terraria terraria is known for its better action it's got a greater variety of weapons, armor, and accessories. It's got faster-placed gameplay. It's got a huge number of bosses. It's got, like, 20 bosses at, at the last count, if you count all of the ones that are, like, on mobile versus on PC and stuff. So there is a greater variety. Terraria is a game where they've basically said yes to all of the wacky ideas they've had over the years. Whereas <laughs> Minecraft, I feel like, takes much more of a, okay, we need to balance this, we need to make sure it's a streamlined experience. Terraria has a gun that fires bees, you know? <laughs> so there's, there's clearly like a, a bit of a, a different imagination to it. Uh, also, Terraria has grappling hooks, which I'm not certain would be a huge advantage to Minecraft's cave system, because the caves in Terraria generate quite large and it's quite difficult to navigate around them if you don't have some kind of assistance, whereas Minecraft is a little bit more focused on the player's scale, but grappling hooks would just be cool to have in Minecraft, so uh, I kind of feel like adding those would be a good fun as well. Be a good way mm. to get out of ravines, I'll give you that. That'd oh, be yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sca scaling mountains with grappling hooks would be super fun. I imagine there's mods that will do stuff like that anyway, but... Uh, oh, yeah. you could totally make mini-games out of it as well. Absolutely, yeah. Nice. Python, do you have any any blocks or textures in Terraria that you think would be suited for Minecraft that come to mind? Ah, that's an interesting one. Um... Do you know what? Uh, you get these little houses on the Skylands, the uh, sunplate blocks, I believe they're called. They're sort of blue, but they have like a yellow sort of outside. It's it's kind of a strange looking block, but I think it could, I don't know, it could make for an interesting looking block in Minecraft. Kind of like uh, a lapis lazuli block with a yellow border on it. I don't know, okay. it could make for a nice sort of magical mage type build or something like that. 
They are quite right. pretty. I I really like um, Terraria's Dynasty wood um, and, oh, and yes. shingles blocks because you have the option to make some very nice Asian-looking builds with those. Even the 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 shingles that you make, if you sort of build them a certain way, they almost look like a dragon type of ornament has been added to the top of it. And so oh, cool. ha- having stuff like that, it's it's sort of like I think if uh, if folks at home are familiar with Jersey Boys texture pack or the texture pack they use on the realm of Vastin, kind of like right. what you guys have done with concrete there, where it looks a little bit more like roof tiles. That right. kind of that kind of stuff, but that's just in Terraria by default, and you can buy it from traveling merchants. So it's a, a a nice decorative block to have. Because I'm not familiar with Terraria, does it get into like a sub block thing? So, like for example, I w- I would consider things like anvils and rods, trapdoors, those kind of things to be like the sub block texture fences. Is there a lot of yeah. those kind of options in Terraria? Yeah, uh, definitely. There's a whole bunch of different crafting stations that you can make and furnaces, health forges. Uh, There's pretty much anything you can think of in Terraria. It's got some sort of variation. There's like multitudes of variations of uh, chests that you could put down, little storage chests. There's definitely a lot more more opportunities for decoration and a lot more opportunities to modify existing blocks you've got a hammer that can turn a single block into like effectively terraria's equivalent of a slab or a corner so you can have like a right angle uh like a diagonal on a block uh that kind of stuff and it's it's all done on a completely different scale to minecraft so a single tile in terraria is really not all that big uh if you think that the player is two blocks high in Minecraft, uh, the player basically takes up a two by one block space. Uh, in Terraria, I think it's more like six tiles. So the scale of like block to player is completely different and allows for a lot more fine detail. So that's nice. the Terraria yeah. discussion for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I'm not familiar with the games. So like I've only ever seen screenshots and I think I might have watched a video either from you python or maybe from you johnny i can't remember because i actually started following both of you around the same time that you guys were doing harmony so like i don't know what other videos i might have also branched off to check out at that time i ended up focusing on the minecraft stuff but um i'm only kind of just visually familiar with the game and i didn't realize that it was as much of an adventure game with the bosses and the weapons and stuff as it is a building game i'm not even sure if it was clear to me that it was a building game i uh because I think because of the fact that it's like a side-scrolly 2D game, like I never thought that building would be that. It is more action-focused, I think. Yeah, the, yeah the, for sure. The, yeah. the building side of things. The building helps if you want to get NPCs because NPCs will sell you stuff. There's a lot more like player uh, to NPC interaction than there is in in Minecraft. I feel like if if, right. if every every NPC in Terraria was a villager, there would be a huge expanse of villages. And they've all got a right. little bit more dialogue and stuff. So there's there's a, a wow. different approach to that. But you definitely need to... You look into building if you want NPCs. The rest of the time, you can just run around and fight stuff however you like. But it's uh, yeah. it's definitely a more action-focused game. Nice. Well, for people that are curious about it, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, youtube.com slash pythongb is a place where you can check out some Terraria videos. Just started a new series a few days ago, actually. So a uh, good time yeah. to hop on board. 
Uh, as regards the second email that we have here for Chunk Mail, I think we're probably going to skip over this, if that's okay with you, Joel. I feel like that's... Yeah, a, that's fine with me, yeah. It, it's, it's a longer email, and it's one that we want to put a little bit more time into discussing. So we'll probably save that for a future episode and move on to our round table for this week. So we've got three topics, each of which we one of us has brought to the table, and we want to have a quick discussion on each of those. And as with the other segments, I feel like it makes sense for Python to go first. So what have you got for us to discuss this week? So I just uh, I just wanted to talk about the 1.14 trading, you know, my thoughts on it, what needs to be what needs to be changed, what I really love about it, that kind of thing. Um, so I think probably the biggest thing that I really like about villagers now is you can essentially control what profession the villager has by placing or removing workstation blocks. Yeah. So say you've got like a farmer, they use composters, right? You can remove the composter. Uh, and as long as you haven't traded with them, as long as they're still novices, I'm pretty sure they will become unemployed. So they'll go back to having the regular villager texture. And then you could put down, I don't know, like let's say a cauldron and then it'll turn into a leather worker. So you can sell them leather, for example. It's it's great being able to have that level of control over villages now. I think that's that's something that's always been frustrating to people when they turn up to a village, they look around, they're like, there's no librarians. Why isn't there a librarian here? I want to find book trades. Every librarian you look at was a cartographer. <laughs> and <laughs> and ev everyone knows that struggle. So I think, yeah, this this has been a an interesting update. Once people understand that's, ha that's how villages work, I feel like people are going to have a lot more fun with, with villages. And... You mentioned that if a villager is still a novice, then they can switch their trades. Is it your experience that once they get past the novice stage, once you've traded with them a few times and they level up, they're locked into that profession? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I found. Because that happened when I when I logged into my world in 1.14 for the first time. The first thing I did was check on my existing villagers, and about half of them, I guess, I hadn't traded with because they were all unemployed. But all of the ones ah. who I had traded with already in 1.13 kept their trades so i thought i got lucky i thought maybe there was because people were saying elsewhere that like all of their villagers had lost their professions but i feel like some of them might have been bedrock players some of them might just not have traded with the villagers in the first place and just kind of put them in the trading hall to save for later but right. if, if that seems to be the case if you get them beyond that novice level which you have to do after a few trades now it's not just trade once yeah. they unlock the next level it's like a an xp bar basically um but what do you think about that, by the way? Um, how do you feel about Villager's XP system? Uh, the XP system, it's it's really quite good. It's, it's certainly intuitive. And like you say, uh, you do have to trade a fair amount to be able to rank them up and unlock more trades. But I think what I would say is the system does need a pretty major rebalance. Uh, so, for example, let's say you've got like an armor smith, for example. They're selling their armor for like six emeralds. Uh, so you go and trade it, but you only get a tiny amount of XP towards the next level. So you essentially have to buy like eight pieces of armor from them to rank up. Now, in my opinion, uh, a bit of a suggestion would be to scale the amount of XP given to the villager uh depending on the amount of emeralds you trade per time so say for example you trade one emerald for let's say 18 cookies you know you get a small amount of xp towards the next level because you can trade them pretty easily but with armor or even enchanted books say stuff that costs 20 emeralds plus uh, i think you should get like a pretty considerable more amount of xp towards ranking them up because you know, you're grinding a bit more, you're trying to get the emeralds to trade. I think the effort should be paid off with more XP. 
That makes sense to me, especially, like you say, with the more expensive stuff. You think about spending 32 emeralds on a mending book or something like that. Obviously, it's something you want, but you're also paying out in a big way to get it. That's half a stack of emeralds at that stage. And it would probably involve giving some weight to what each of the items were worth. But I suppose if you do it by emeralds at that point, it's not too difficult to do. Just say, like, per emerald, give them this much XP. It's... It, it, it seemed like a good system. So, yeah, I, I think that makes a bit of sense. <laughs> with the with the locking of the profession after they are past novice, uh, does that then eliminate the ability to, say you found a librarian, but you don't know what their book trades are. So you can't trade with them to find out what the book trades are and then switch them to another profession. Like you, if you, once you commit to a librarian, you're going to be stuck with whatever the librarian is. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think there's an element of RNG to it, random number generator, that is. Right. Um, a certain amount of luck, yeah. Sometimes they will offer you a book on novice trade level, uh, but sometimes they will only offer, I think it's paper and bookshelves. So, I mean, right. to be honest, if you're being offered a book of, of for your first trade, then you're off to a good start, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. The, the reason why I ask is because with the old system, you would you know, breed a bunch of villagers, go through their trades. And if they had good trades, you kept them. If you had, if they did not have good trades, you would just dispose of them. So it sounds like that still might be the case. If people want to have a bunch of librarians that are trading for the books they want, they're still going to have to, granted, they won't have to go through as many villagers to get librarians, but there's still that process of like turning in, turning the villager into a librarian, going through all the trades, getting them leveled up, realizing mm, this isn't the best librarian ever. Uh, I would I would want to switch him to something else, but I can't because I've already traded with him to the max level. So now the option is dispose of the villager and replace it. So it's right. a little bit longer in the tooth, but it sounds like it could end up being still the same, the same sort of process. Just less work on the breeding side or the the adding more villagers or adding a new fresh villager is a lot easier than yeah. than having to do having to do the the um, the trades. It's interesting. How do you feel about the new interface for trading? The new interface is really quite good, I'd say. Uh, I love the idea of just being able to see all of the trades just sprawled out to the side of the traditional uh, trading panel. Like you could just hover over the books, see what they are really, really quickly. There's not that many clicks having to be done. Uh, I, th I think it's really quite good. And when we were uh, playing Harmony, I'm pretty sure we had a mod that did that for us, right? There was like a That's quick right. villager yeah. trading mod. So it's basically that has been implemented in vanilla now, which I think is great. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Now with... Uh getting emeralds like so the, for not so much for trading emeralds for cool things like books and armor but for the reverse for stocking up on emeralds by trading with farmers currently you can trade a ton of stuff and you just have to basically trade a variety of different things with the villager and more often than not the villager is going to reset and then you can just keep on trading uh with a bunch of stuff do you think it's going to the new mechanics limit the speed at which players can can collect emeralds yeah, I'd certainly say so. Uh, as far as I know, they can, in air quotes, restock their trades twice a day, according to their uh, work schedules that they have going on now. Uh, so, say for example, the day's just started, you could go ahead, trade a whole bunch of potatoes, the trade would then be locked, uh, but then they would do a little bit of work, go to their workstation, uh, it plays like a sound, so when the sound oh. is played, the trades are restocked in. and then oh, you that's could, cool trade again and then i'm pretty sure they restock again and then you could probably trade again after that as well that is good that, i mean it, it's 
I think it's going to be more the case now that you don't approach your villager with just one thing to trade, expecting the carrots trades to constantly refresh or just mm -hmm. load them down with pumpkins and melons. I think instead a better approach is going to be bring a little bit of everything, trade all yes. of that at once, wait for it to reset, do the same again. And then I'd say maybe with like four or five different farmers, if they all trade the same vegetables, then you could probably just go between them one at a time and you could still trade for more or less the entire day. That's, yeah, you know, th by the time you get to... There's yeah, but then you get to farmer number six, you know, farmer number one might have reset his trades, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be some sort of optimum level whereby you can keep trading with everybody and not have as much downtime as you would if you just had one farmer. So, mm. yeah, I, I'm looking forward to people basically figuring out what the optimized way of trading and stuff is. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I imagine that'll, that'll happen quite quickly once people are back on servers where people are playing full-time, stuff like Hermitcraft. And uh, yeah, I imagine a few of the technical community are on this kind of stuff already. I'm pretty sure Nembon put out a uh, a video where it was, th this is the most efficient way of finding a mending trade in the early game. It's just kind of replacing a lectern and refreshing a librarian and so forth. But yeah there's some some good stuff what what's the what's the most ludicrous trade you found so far because there are definitely some different prices <laughs> that you can you can get hold of it's quite funny you asked that because uh, i was going to bring that up next so on the flip side sometimes you get really crummy villagers but sometimes you get some pretty insane villagers like honestly like a hundred times more insane than what you'd get on 1.13. Uh, so, for example, uh, on my single-player Python's World Let's Play, I was lucky enough to get a mending book trade, which was originally for 10 emeralds, which is, you know, uh, on 1.13's level. But if you trade with your villagers quite a lot and you get yourself a good reputation, and especially more so if you defeat a rage, you've got the hero of the village buff going on, uh, the discounts you can get are pretty nuts. So, for example, for me, I managed to reduce that mending trade to one emerald, which is just <laughs> the most stupidest thing I've ever heard of. That's the dream. <laughs> That's the dream right there. The one the one emerald mending trade, which is funny considering like, how many of us were stocking up on mending books before this update we could have <laughs> we could have been saving our emeralds if we knew this was the case but obviously there's a certain amount of circumstances and a lot of work you've got to put in in order to get a trade like that to, to pop off because you've got to defeat a raid like you said you've got to have that discount which probably i mean does does hero of the village last for the same amount of time as bad omen is it like a hundred minutes or is it a shorter i period? believe i uh, i'm not entirely sure how uh, reliable the wiki is for information but i think i read it's like an hour is yeah. it 30 minutes or an hour something like that yeah yeah so it's roughly equivalent to what bad omen is because i was really surprised when i got the bad omen effect the first time and the time didn't even show up on the little potions hud where it normally tells you yeah. you've got yeah, six so. minutes of fire resistance left it was like okay this is clearly it's going on for a while then <laughs> Um, but yeah, as as with any other potion effects, by the way, if folks at home want to get rid of that bad omen, if you're not ready to do a raid yet, just drink a bucket of milk. It clears it the same as it clears any other potion effect, like wither or oh, poison good, or whatever. That's a good so, tip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the first thing I did when I killed one of those pillager outpost captains was I, I went away from the village, found a cow in the nearby savannah, and drank a bucket of milk because I was like, I'm not ready to start the raid yet. I just, <laughs> I, I, I want to be able to do that on my own terms at least um so so yeah that's that's kind of a, a helpful tip but ov obviously you probably wouldn't want to get rid of hero of the village but it's uh oh, it's for sure. nice to know that just in case you know it's influencing stuff for you python with regards to the the armor and and weapons trades and, and things like that did you notice anything that was 
out of the norm, like not so much the price, but the actual enchant or the actual quality of the tool that you can get from, from villagers? Uh, yeah, so with the armor smith, if you manage to get him to master rank, you can buy a full set of enchanted diamond armor, which is, you know, pretty nuts. Yeah, you do have to spend a fair amount of emeralds to get them, but, you know, it saves you going mining, you know, mining up the diamonds, enchanting the stuff yourself. Uh, the enchants themselves, uh, I don't really have that much experience with. I mean, I think I've had like three armor smiths, and for the most part, they seem to be like level 20-ish enchants, like protection three. Uh, nothing, you know, that's, you know, unbelievably brilliant or anything like that. But right. I think it's just a case of you just buy them combine them up and then you're good it's not going to be like, like when you when you pull a, a book out of an enchantment table that's got like six enchantments on it it's not going to be that op quite yet nah. yeah but the fact that because of farming and trading emeralds are renewable that you can then trade those renewable emeralds for you know armor and weapons and that the enchants on i think some armor stack now so yes you like you could you could really get yourself to the point in i like as you mentioned a more fun way than just digging and hoping you find you know enough diamonds to 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 put together the right gear uh certainly involves a lot more gameplay which just gives you more to do which is good you know in a sandbox yeah. game where it's like you know you could just mine in a straight line until you find the right stuff or you could just build a pumpkin farm and a carrot farm and a potato farm and like in and or collect all these resources and try to figure out the best trades and like turn it into a little mini game of your own to try and get the best gear from you know your local local um blacksmiths and stuff that's I, that's awesome I'm, I'm glad that there's some cool trades because i've not i've not really kind of rng'd you know any kind of like armor smith or weaponsmith because i always just figured for the for the effort that was required i wasn't going to get the level that i would want um i was wrong i just i've seen some other stuff in in videos where people have like epic pickaxes and stuff from villagers in 113 so i was like okay obviously i didn't spend enough time <laughs> trying to go through <laughs> and find and find the right villagers but i think that also is 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 a symptom of 113 where you cannot predict the profession of a villager it's just whatever you get whereas now yeah. in 114 you can say like well i want to find the best armor trades but i can i can make as many armor or villagers as i can as i feel right you just you put the right block in front of them what the smithing table is the weaponsmith what's the armor is it the anvil uh oh, so i'm just trying to remember i'm pretty uh, the, sure i'm pretty sure weaponsmith is the grindstone and the smithing table is the armorer I think that's the way it works. Uh, yes, okay. actually, that would make sense. So which one is the Blast Furnace? Blast Furnace was... Oh, wait, no, there's a Toolsmith has the smithing table. The Blast Furnace is the armorer. That's <laughs> the it, it's, ah, still, okay. it's still sinking in. It's been a week now, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, still, it's still kind of sinking in the, the yeah. order of these things. Cool. Ha have you tried out the... Um, have you seen the Stonemason Villager? Because that's new for 1.14, isn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, I actually really love the Stonemason Villager because it's made quite a few blocks that were otherwise not renewable, now renewable. So, for example, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, you can go ahead, you can trade uh, brick items now for emeralds. Uh, well, the other way around. You can buy brick items from uh the stone that, that, that's, that and... sounds better than selling him bricks i'm like no i need those <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly so yeah. you don't even have to go clay mining anymore or anything like that which is quite nice actually considering you know it, it takes up a lot of the ocean bed if you don't want to ruin a lake or something like that yeah yeah um it's quite nice in that sense also 
Quartz is renewable, and I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. It's about time. <laughs> Especially considering some of the stuff you've been building on Hermitcraft is like skyscrapers made out of quartz. I was like, now quartz is renewable, that's probably a good thing. It, is, it just, yeah. is it just quartz pillars, though? It's not like the quartz item itself? It's the quartz block and right. the quartz pillar, as far as I'm aware. So you can imagine I'm quite buzzing to uh, get Hermitcraft updated to 114.1 yes. when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, but at least now, now you've got the uh, the stone cutting table. You can just get a one to one trade on quartz blocks as well. So you can have you don't have to like cut down the amount of blocks you're getting from stairs. Now you can have six stairs for six blocks of quartz instead of having four stairs and uh yeah that that's definitely economy of materials is coming in plus the fact that it's actually somewhat renewable now that's that's great and you can save all of your quartz for uh, all those redstone comparators that you make yeah and daylight sensors yeah. and uh some of the other things you could trade you can you can buy things like polished andesite polished diorite polished granite uh you could sell them smooth stone uh you know the when you silk touch a stone block just regular stone blocks you get mm -hmm. like 16 of them you get an emerald so if you've got like a a haste two beacon going on and you've got a silk touch efficiency five pickaxe you've got yourself an emerald farm <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty cool for people who aren't necessarily as into building but want to participate in that villager economy kind of stuff. I think that's that's actually a decent trade. Personally, I've used so much smooth stone just for building in the last little while that it sounds like madness to me to give that to a <laughs> villager in exchange for a single emerald. But I can, I can appreciate that for some folks, it's just like the resource gathering grind is fun, but they don't want to do anything with it afterwards. Trading it away for emeralds kind of feels like a monetary reward, which is... It's a good change to the system. I, I still need what? to find myself a stonemason because I haven't I haven't made one of those guys yet. Well, even for overflow, I mean, like I've got a bulk storage system that's filtered, and you know I can just throw everything into one chest, and it all gets put in in its place. But like I'm running out of space for smooth stone, and I have sixteen double chests, yeah, full. So it's like I. I would be okay with taking two or three of those double chests and just trading them away for emeralds just so I don't have to expand my storage system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can use the villagers as almost like you, you tidy stuff away at this point. You're kind of the, this is the the garbage disposal that also gives you emeralds. <laughs> that's that's nice. what we that's what we're going to call them officially uh, at, the, at this point. Uh, I think yeah. we, should, we should move on though, because uh, yeah, having spent a lovely uh, fifteen minutes or so talking about villager trading, I think we need to cover some of the other stuff we've got at the round table. So nominate Joel. What have you got for us this week? Well, right in line with talking about new blocks, uh, I want to talk about update constipation. I could not think of a better way. <laughs> to, <laughs> it's a delightful to label phrase. This. A delightful yes. phrase. Uh, creative constipation. People, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, <laughs> so, with all the new blocks and new features being outlined in snapshots nearly each week leading up to the release of the the new uh, Minecraft, as well as uh, Moang being more transparent with like not necessarily holding anything back like everything has basically been laid out in the notes you know what's coming uh if you're not playing in the snapshot if you're waiting like you know johnny and i are do you guys ha feel the desire to hold back you know like to withhold your build ideas until the new changes and features and new blocks are available in minecraft specifically when you know that it's going to be soon i mean it's different when you like you get the announced changes at like minecon in september then i mean sure you're not going to just wait for you know six or eight months to build something because then that's not fun but when you're down to that last like you know month or two and you're like i've got all these things i want to do and now that i know that i've got slabs and walls and stairs coming in these things that i didn't have before
before. I have absolutely been just like, nah, I'll just, I'll wait. I would much rather wait to, to do that, that cool mountainside or that cool build when I've got smooth stone or stone slabs and that kind of stuff. So is that something that you guys have experienced from snapshot to snapshot? I mean, Python, I know that you were playing in snapshots, but I mean, you could maybe speak to that experience with other versions of Minecraft, maybe that you weren't, you weren't doing with. So, so I guess Python will start with you. Like, do you find that creature creep, that feature creep of snapshots kind of impedes your, your progress leading up to a, a new release? Um, I wouldn't say so, honestly. I just sort of take it as it comes. If something new comes out, if there's a new block to play with, then why not? I'll give it a go. I don't really sort of let anything hold me back. If I'm, if I'm honest, like I could be playing in a stable, stable uh, release, for example. Uh, I don't know, making a build. But then if the update comes, then I'll just add to it. Like I don't know, just sort of get it up to a point where you want it to be, and then when the update comes, just go for it. I wonder if that's just one of the pros of playing in snapshots as you go, though, because, you know, if, if you've had access to that stuff from early on, you're like, oh, here's a creative application for barrels or whatever that you can then immediately act on because you're playing with them rather than having to having to wait for that stuff. Like I, in, in my experience, um, I would have loved to build my castle with the scaffolding blocks available. By the way, I have been playing with scaffolding blocks after the, you know, for, for the last 24 hours or so. I am converted. I am 100% on board with scaffolding now. It's good. Like, if you remember to have it with you when you know you're going to be building something, it's actually really, really good. And this is probably <laughs> just one of one of the things that I might kind of find appealing that other people might say, yeah, I'll pass on that. Because, yeah, maybe it's it's another spot in your inventory that has to be claimed by something that isn't building blocks. But bring a shulker box of the stuff with you and it just makes, like, not having to end a pearl or fly up to somewhere or pillar up to it that much nicer. And it's if you get used to using it, it's really quick. But I would have loved to have that with a castle because the first thing I, <laughs> the first thing I did with the castle was build up all these, these giant stone walls. And I went, well, heck, now I've got to detail all of this. And I didn't put any stone brick in my inventory at the time. So let me go around all of these tiny, like really high up towers and add stone bricks to them. It would have been so much nicer with scaffolding. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't think I let it hold me back as we ran up to the update, but I was definitely thinking ahead to, okay, I, I'm going to leave spaces here and there for this place would look really good for a campfire. This place is probably going to have barrels. Let me put placeholder blocks, like logs and stuff, in some places that I know are going to be replaced with barrels when the update comes around. I think there are ways around the the kind of frustration of waiting for the next update. I feel like we let that get on top of us too much with the change to 1.13 because we all expected it to come out at a certain time. So mm. I think maybe just because of experience now, I'm a little bit more wary of that stuff. And because I'm on the daily kind of making videos five days a week kind of thing, I'm like, I have to have something to do in my world. So I've got stuff in mind for the update, but I'm not letting that entirely take over what I expect to be doing when I log into Minecraft that day. Yeah. So for me, I think a part of it is because a lot of the stuff that I have been doing or, or wanted to do have been a little bit more organic. Like I don't have a specific block in mind. It's more like, you know, I would do this differently if I had access to these kind of slabs and stairs and walls or, or whatever. Sure. And I would rather, in some cases, it's like, well, that's a big build. I would rather just wait to even start that. 
yeah, until I, mean, I have access to a different palette, you know, or a, diff a different block selection. You've been talking about your farms and like not wanting to fix your villager breeder because it's just going to break again when 1.14 comes out. That, right. I, that yeah. I can absolutely understand because like if yeah. you know your iron farm hasn't been working for a bit, but you're like, hey, this is just going to change in a minute anyway. Yes, you can you can figure that out when the update rolls around, but if you're like waiting for that update then you're slowly running out of iron you're starting to see the supply trickle away and right. at, what, at what point do you draw the line yeah I, I can understand that point of view for sure yeah oh features in redstone and farms and stuff i think are even a different conversation like oh, that, yeah, that's totally. that's kind of like a well uh i'm trying to think about something that you know um that i would that, that like a new feature in in the snapshot that would be good like i mean bamboo farms and things like that but but that's not a huge change i'm just but something along those lines like some sort of new resource or new thing well for example you know if you wanted to upgrade your super smelter why would you do it now like yeah. you wait yeah. until blast furnaces are out and then you could make a really fast you know smelter and ha and had and be potentially use it in half the scale provided as, as, that all your smelting is is min is, is uh, minerals and exactly stuff. like as long as the only thing you want to smelt is iron ore or gold ore because that's the only things they do why do they not do glass i'm still so yeah. mad about that i really want them to smelt yeah. other things even netherrack into nether brick would be great but i never have that much iron that it's going to be a huge time save for me to use blast furnaces no. and anybody that has that much iron has an iron farm like or will have <laughs> exactly. a version therein right like or just, a, a gold farm the same yeah 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 so th there's something and there's some things where like you think you want to hold back but then once you sort of dig into the features like mm, nope that's actually fine uh so yeah so for when features change i find i'm less of less of a you know less of a person to hold back if anything, I find that I make a, a mental note. It's like, okay, well, now that the new update is here, I have to go around to all my farms and see what's broken and see what I have to fix. I can't do that until the until the new um, update comes out. Yeah. Um, but for, no, for me, I was specifically thinking more of just like the terms of blocks. And I find it happened a little bit less with this update. Um, we were concerned more on, on the Citadel about like loading new chunks and, and that sort of stuff uh, than we were with... Um, with new blocks but uh i think part of it is just because when i was looking at the new blocks like yes it's great i'm not complaining about getting new stuff but we are not getting an awful lot and there's mm -hmm. a couple of things in between where you're just kind of like well they're giving us like stone stairs and stone walls and bricks brick walls but they're not giving us mossy brick stairs and it's like well wh why not you know like it just it, it just it seems like a teeny tiny little checkbox just to add this this one extra stair where you're just like, well, now I'm going to be able to only use the mossy stuff in a couple of different places as opposed to anywhere I want. And it, it feels a little bit strange. Like I was watching, um, I think it was Comfan did a, a big video where he was going over all the different blocks and he had lined up all the different stairs, slabs, walls, etc. And you could see the holes. You're yeah, there are like, gaps in this picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, some gaps were were obviously like, this isn't new. They exist already. But he wanted to make sure that there was no confusion, I think, between stuff that was already in the game and stuff that was being added new. So when I would see a hole, I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. Then that's not there. And I thought, wait a minute, that's in the game already. That's why it's not there. It's not new. But then there were other parts where like, yeah, that should be there. Like that, you know, a, a mossy stone wall or a... Or a you know, whatever they had, because um, I'm worried about getting it wrong because there was a lot of stuff that he covered. But it, it like, it, it seemed obvious that they're just, why is that not part of it? It just seems such like a strange, strange thing. Um, I am excited about um, some of the new sandstone blocks. And that's one of the reasons why I've held off 
on doing um, one of the very last things that I, I think is unfinished in my world is a, a temple that we have is kind of like a, a, a base in the desert. You know, it's a safe place to like, you know, come out of the portal and kind of store stuff and, and do things. And it's, it's very functional, not very fashionable. And I wanted to update it for a very, very long time. But once I saw all the different sandstone changes that were coming, I was like, nope, I'm waiting. Cause I, it, it, it just, it's going to look so much better to have all those different things available to me when I do it. So, um, but yeah, I'm just, I was curious. It just, it's, it's one of those things that um, I noticed myself creatively trying to think about what I could do on the server that was unaffected by one fourteen as opposed to just doing whatever I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. I think I'm more wary of that stuff having been through a couple of updates. I think it's also one of those things where, maybe if you've only been playing for the last couple of updates you're just kind of champing at the bit for the new stuff in a way that might yeah. hold you up in a way and that's and that's another reason why i think that having new blocks that don't change gameplay they just give you new stuff to paint with mm-hmm. could be easily added as like 0.2 point 0.3 updates like i yeah. don't think that you have to hold those back but but speaking of servers and the things that that people do on servers johnny i know that your topic this week had, had something to do with yeah with servers yeah i'm going to move us away from the 1.14 stuff fun and though it is to unpack that we're going to be doing that for several weeks now and while we've got python here especially i wanted to talk about what the pros and cons are of playing on multiple worlds or multiple servers uh, because each of us actually has different worlds that we play on several different worlds sometimes you know if we're making youtube or twitch content we're running these worlds in parallel uh python you've got your single player python's world series alongside hermitcraft and your modded projects joel has both the citadel server and the realm of vaston i have the survival guide and decidedly vanilla is my home server although the that's kind of on hiatus for me while i focus really heavily on survival guide and the reason i i do that now is because i just don't have the time to split between two vanilla projects i feel like i'm repeating myself i feel like i'm doing the same stuff on both channels or i feel like the stuff i'm doing on survival guide is tutorial focused so it's a little bit more basic and by contrast i have to make decidedly vanilla really big which means a lot of time spent just grinding and it's not as rewarding so i was i was wondering what you guys had to say about the rewards and pitfalls of splitting your time between projects uh is it worth it spreading your efforts across multiple worlds or do you find yourselves being spread too thin python why don't you start us off because obviously hermitcraft is known for building big and going kind of upscale (laughs) does does that does that ever get away from you when you're also working on your single player world and not to mention your second channel where you're playing terraria and stuff as well uh yeah so i mean in all honesty your feelings pretty much are in parallel with my own like it, it, it's very very difficult trying to come up with unique projects for essentially two vanilla let's plays like as you say hermitcraft is known for being big and if you don't build big then it's almost kind of like you maybe get left behind a little bit but uh you know when it comes down to it like single player you've got more control over your world you can do whatever you like you can update whenever you like i can use snapshots i can play the latest features hermitcraft um, it's kind of strange for me because I've grown so used to playing in the snapshots that going back to a stable update is almost like, I don't know, almost like regressing back in time. Right. Like, yeah. It almost feels like I'm playing an old version of Minecraft. So therefore I feel a little bit limited in terms of what I can do compared to playing with snapshots where there's more features, more blocks, uh, more stuffs to play with basically. 
Um, and Skyblock is the only other series I've got going on. And that's just an entire different ballpark altogether because it's a custom survival map. I could just kind of sort of trundle my way through there, get all the advancements done, and then just move on to something else. But certainly in terms of vanilla, uh, yeah, I'd completely agree. I think it's a case of spreading myself a bit too thin, trying to come up with too many project ideas. You know, it, it, it does get on top of me after a while. I think with stuff like Skyblock, because it's a challenge map, you actually have set objectives there. And that's the yeah. thing is like the game is then setting objectives for you instead of you know, something like Hermitcraft or a single player world where the world is infinite and you're, you're kind of designating your own creative projects. Like the limit is your imagination. And if you find your imagination being put into too many different places, you're always going to feel like you are getting less stuff out of each one, I think. I was wondering how Joel felt about this because the realm of Vastan is so focused on stuff like building like around a theme and so maybe that gives you a little bit more focus for what you do on Vastan versus like some of the more sort of do your own thing kind of stuff on the Citadel. Yeah, so with Vastan it has it has its advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantages for me personally are the the well I'll start with the advantages. I mean it you discuss it as a team. There's a pretty decent um, theme that's established, uh, but there's also a lot of inherent trust in all the people that have been invited to build on the server. So you don't necessarily have to check with other people before you do what you're going to do, other than just like boundaries and like, hey, if I build this here, am I going to be in the way of this thing that you're in the process of constructing? Like, how far do you see your wall going? I don't want to get in the way, but that's it. Like everybody else is like, nah, you're here because we like you and we like the stuff you do. So go ham with it, right? Um, so that's awesome. And because there's a theme, there's less of a decision to be made. Like it's it's an ancient ice kingdom. So you just make it look like an ancient ice kingdom to the best of your ability. You don't have to come up with anything new. Um, the disadvantage is that the one thing that I've chosen to build is the biggest thing I've ever attempted. Uh, <laughs> right, and, yeah. Like it's a, it's a giant frost tree, so it's organic. Uh, it goes to nearly build height from Y level 80. So, I mean, it is mahusuf, uh, and it is a large undertaking. And in some ways, um, that becomes difficult because the time investment in that, you're looking at that like, it's just, it's not going to be done anytime soon uh, when you're starting off. And so you just kind of have to pick at it. And so that becomes... Uh, content wise it's hard because like it's just like well we're today we're going to be doing the trunk tomorrow's the trunk and next week also the trunk um <laughs> next month also the trunk like you know like so you worry yeah, that yeah. as a content creator that the, your people are gonna your 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 followers are gonna get a little bit stale uh on this thing um which is i mean in part you know good for me because i like having consistent content but at the same time it's also like whoa wow okay you know you don't want to just rip the band-aid off and just get um, get it all done in one go because then, well, what do you do next, right? Um, I find with with being on two servers, um, the stuff that tears me from one to the other is the engagement from my community. So when mm -hmm. people get really excited about Citadel and I get a lot of compliments on that world, um, and it's not just me. I mean, there's also builds from like, you know, Cosmic Dancer and MacCast and Alistair and a bunch of people. That's a, the server's been around for a year and a half. So, you know, when you're walking through the meadows, you get a lot of attention and a, and a lot of a draw. You can build an audience. So I get more people coming in and being familiar and seeing this world develop because it develops faster. Like you can finish a build in a weekend, right? A couple, you know, six hours of streaming and you've pretty much got, you know, a decent chunk of progress done. So people can see that go forward in, in a very 
tangible way. And so they get more invested in it. So I tend to play on the cer on the Citadel more because it is better for me when you look at it from a business perspective, which is a weird thing to talk about. But I mean, we're, we all we all do this essentially semi-professionally. So, you know, we might as well, you might as well have that in the mix. Much, um, as I, much as I hate to admit it, that's also what's you know, made me focus more on Survival Guide than on Decidedly Vanilla. Because it's a tutorial series, Survival Guide pulls in so many more viewers than your mm -hmm. average vanilla Minecraft Let's Play with a relatively unknown group of people. I mean, there's, there's a lot of other folks on Decidedly Vanilla who are definitely fantastic content creators in their own right and are making a real name for themselves lately but a lot of them like like whip and mythical sausage as well like we've had them both on the podcast and they're both tutorial builders as well they have single player projects where they focus on showing people how they build the stuff that they build and decidedly vanilla is a great place for us all to come together but i feel like the downsides of that are also the upsides like being able to participate in this game with other players is really fun but in order to schedule collabs you've got to make sure that two people have like the the time and you have to usually you know coordinate collabs across oceans and different time zones and that kind of stuff so it becomes difficult to make content when you're waiting on somebody else as opposed to a single player world when you can just log in and do it the same yeah. the same goes for say participating in a server economy it's great fun having a shop and being able to sell stuff to your server mates but then you also have to log in regularly to make sure that your shop is in stock of stuff that the people want collect rewards like i, I know uh, python you can probably speak to this being the the owner of the prominent shulker box shop <laughs> on hermitcraft i imagine there's you, you probably occasionally get discord pings from people being like are you going to restock anytime because i don't feel like going to the end but i need my shulker boxes where are they python Yes, and uh, going ahead and dying in the process. Yeah, yeah a lot of the time, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the way I feel about it a lot of the time, is the server community is what would bring me back, because it's great to play with those folks, but also the single-player projects I have so much more control over, and there is a lot more focus on them from my community. So it's... Yeah, it's the same with me. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, but it does make sense to just kind of go where the where the focus of the community is at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And the solution that I've come up with too, with, with the Citadel, I mean, the advantage of the Citadel is that I'm the only content creator on there. Um, Alistair streams from time to time, but most of the time it's, it's just me. So there's no pressure, you know, for me to uh, log in and do stuff on the Citadel outside of pressure for myself and the fun that I'm having. Mm -hmm. uh, I also, um, because it's, it's a very quiet server. I mean, I am by far the most active person. So, really without sounding you know conceited it's kind of my own single player server that i have a bunch of friends that play on with me you know like sure. there is a community yeah. that is that but I, I had someone approach me recently about like hey joel i would love for you to do a single player let's play and my response was like i, I don't have time uh, yeah and i i don't want to spread my creativity too thin because again like for all the reasons that you guys just mentioned the only way that i would do it is if i would to want to explore a modded situation and for me to do that, modded would have to be caught up to Minecraft in a way that it was at least, you know, 113 or even 114. Because like, I, I don't like, as you mentioned, Python, going back to, you know, an older version. Like there's all these kind of cool stuff that I've, I've talked about on the show about Biome Bundle that I'd like to explore in 112, but I don't want to play 112. I love yeah, 113. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't want to go back and do that. Um, also, it would be more of an exploration 
thing because like I don't want to just get into an, yet another thing where I'm just building in vanilla. So I would need to, I've been toying around with exploring something like Skyblock or whatever, but the modding side of Skyblock is appealing. The Skyblock part of Skyblock is not appealing. Like I uh-huh. don't want to be on an island in a void. That to me is really boring. I like the scenery in Minecraft quite a lot. Yeah. So if I could combine like all the functions and all the mods that are in, in Skyblock with something like you know, um, Biome Bundle or something cool to walk around and look at stuff, then that would be ideal. But one of the things we're trying we're doing on the citadel with 114 when it does eventually update is that we're going to be uh, assigning different areas and using uh, command blocks to be able to teleport um, players as if they were teleporting to another server we just don't have the infrastructure to have other servers so it's just going to be you're going to be teleported 5000 blocks in one direction and that is going to be a themed area so that could it could be a mine it could be a fully functional area or it could be just the fact that like this is where we're going to build medieval and this is where we're going to build sci-fi and really there's an opportunity for players if you're going to be in an area where no other server members are interested in playing then you're going to essentially have a let's play of your own or not a let's play but you're going to have a single player experience with the advantage of being able to just chat with friends you know uh, that are that are on the server at the same time like maybe i'm building in sci-fi for the next six months and maybe alistair's building castles who knows right yeah. um but that seems to be the the solution i'm curious uh python with regards to hermitcraft there's been an awful lot of collaborations this year which i think is fantastic uh do you find that being like doing collabs on a, on a big server like hermitcraft alleviates the pressure of of having to create content for two different worlds yeah i certainly do i mean at the end of the day for the most part if you're doing something let's say exploring end cities it's just sort of easy content isn't it i mean you, you pick out the good bits you know someone dies you have a bit of comedy gold in your conversation you know it's uh it's 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 pretty nice i mean yeah it definitely alleviates the pressure to i don't know build something big or make a ton of progress in a single episode for example so yeah, yeah. i'd agree with that yeah or if, even if, if you if are if you've got somebody else bringing ideas to the table then yeah. it kind of it, it helps you along a little bit and means that you're not stuck twiddling your thumbs thinking what am i going to do this week yeah yeah and if you and if you want to build something really big and there's a lot of stuff involved i mean having two players dig a hole obviously takes a lot less time than having one player even if you're not on together like even if you take the scheduling part out of it and you're not actually recording the videos together you can just divvy up tasks and be like okay we need a hole here we need to collect this stuff. If you don't mind chopping trees, I don't mind digging the hole. And then the next time you guys log in, everything is ready to go. And yeah. and I I feel like for me, if if you know if I was to ever to join another you know multiplayer server, for example, I would only do it if the idea was that I would be working with people on things because I would not want it to be just another version of Let's Plays where people are just doing their own thing, just happen to be in the same area. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, fascinating though this discussion has been and great though it is to talk to you both. I think we're probably going to have to bring the axe down there. It's 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 always tempting to just discuss and discuss, especially when it comes to the 1.14 stuff. And of course, we will have a lot to say for that over the coming weeks. But that is going to be it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks. Python, thank you so much for joining us for this roundtable episode. Uh, why don't you spend a little bit of time telling the folks at home where they can find you if they want to see more of you and what you do? Well, starting off with the Minecraft content, uh, that would be youtube.com slash pythonmc. Uh, it's mostly daily content, but uh, sometimes, you know, a little day off here and there. So, you know, subscribe so you don't miss out. 
all that kind of stuff. And then if you're feeling like something a little bit different, then I do have Python GB, where I do Terraria content for the most part, occasionally other games, and also on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash pythongb. There we go. All right, that's going to be it for this episode, folks. You can find more information about the Spawn Chunks and links to some of the things we've talked about on today's show at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. And we hit a massive milestone this week. Like, literally yesterday, we have reached 100 patrons on our patreon page and we cannot thank you guys enough for your support even though we've measured milestones before in in stacks of 64 and stuff like that i think it's it's definitely a big one for us to hit 100 patrons we're also only four dollars away from our chunk mail dispenser goal so if you feel like signing up if you've been considering that over the last couple of weeks then maybe give it a look also special thanks to our content and uh, content engineers pajitos panqua and yitz for their support on this episode we really appreciate you guys Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends, server mates, uh, or other places that you talk about Minecraft. Just poke a friend on the arm and say, hey, this is really cool. A uh, hundred people also think it's very cool. Uh, you should you should go and check it out. Actually, there's a lot more than hundred people. We have a lot of listeners and it's been growing and it's been super cool to see that community grow. Uh, especially recently it's just been super super fast and and really really fun you can email the show at the at gmail.com uh, i had a couple of people ask us about that email address recently so it's everything is the spawn chunks if you if you can think remember that name then you can find us in places that you want to find us you can subscribe to the show on itunes android stitcher spotify and youtube the rss feed is linked on the and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and that is the only place where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i'm known as pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i'm also the voice for the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search and i stream three days a week on twitch where i play minecraft pretty much all of the time these days aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio, links to other podcasts that I do, and links to social media. It's all just my name, but I'm going to throw everybody towards Twitch, which is where I have a lot of fun in Minecraft recently. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, even when bits of it don't render. Mm.